0: Hey everybody, it's Lon and It's time once again for your weekly wrap-up, and we've got a whole bunch of topics to discuss today, including a couple of weighty ones. You can see all the things I plan on talking about here on screen. We've got a video index down below in the video description, so let's get to it. Now before we begin, I want to thank our newest supporters here on the channel. We've got three new YouTube members who subscribed, uh, we have that hot sauce show. I got to check that one out because I love my hot sauces. Uh, Griffin 376 and David Kelly. We also have Hakan Sayman and Alfred Herrera who contributed via the donor box page. I want to thank all of them for their support of the channel. And last week during the premiere of this show, we had. Uh, two super chatters, including Abdullah Alatibi and Amda Brown. I want to thank everyone for their contributions to the channel this week and all of you who have been contributing on an ongoing basis as well. I also want to thank everyone who watches on a regular basis too because all of those things equal channel growth. Uh, We are not premiering the wrap-up this week, but we'll try to get it up on a premiere for next. So let's take a look now at the week in review. On the Extras channel, I reviewed a phone case from Catalyst for the iPhone 11 Pro. It's funny now how much stuff you have to look at in a phone case review because you got to make sure it wirelessly charges. you got to test all the other little things that they have hanging off of it. So that review ended up being six minutes long. Uh, We also had two unboxings of a uh, camera and a phone, the Stylo 5, which we reviewed last week, and the Canon XA45, which is a prosumer camera uh, from Canon that shoots 4K video. And I hope to get the review of that Canon camera up uh, later this week or early next. It's a nice compact camera that's pretty cool. Uh, one thing to note on all three of these videos is that I did them all as a live stream. I'm going to try to start doing more of this live streaming kind of in the mornings uh, when I'm doing my unboxings. A lot of you seem to like tuning in for those and they're not that hard for me to do. Uh, so we're going to be doing that. and I'm also uh, doing some simulcasting on Amazon live as well. So be on the lookout. I'm just going to pop up, so make sure you set your notifications. Uh, We also had three reviews on the main channel, including an unboxing of the Pixel 4 XL, and I gave you my first impressions. We'll have a full review of that a little later this week. Uh, We also looked at the LG Stylo 5, which is a budget phone with a stylus that works on all the major U.S. carriers here. And I reviewed the Blink XT2 uh, cameras, which are a security system that Amazon owns and produces. And what's nice about these is that they're low cost and there's no subscription fee with them. Uh, So they're a little cheaper to work with than uh, the Ring system, which of course charges you per camera per month. Uh, This one's a lot more reasonable because you buy it once and you're done. And they are really nice camera systems here. I did get a couple of questions that I wanted to talk about from last week's videos. And you will recall last week, we did a behind the scenes tour of this little studio I've got here. And if you missed it, I'll put it in the master playlist link down below in the video description. And I did get a question from Mark here with, a couple of uh, follow-ups in regards to the uh, process that we're doing here to edit video from my TriCaster. Um, first of all, I wanted to know how big the files are for a typical recording. Uh, usually with this show, which is about a half an hour, uh, it generates about 20 gigabytes of raw video. And that doesn't count all of my mistakes and everything else like that. But you could probably bank on about 40 gigabytes for an hour, give or take, of video that you might be editing on there. Uh, but they use a codec, I think it's called Speed HQ on the TriCaster. And when I take those files off the TriCaster and drop them into Final Cut Pro, there's no transcoding to be done. Everything just works right out of the gate. I can edit off the very same files that I imported, and that makes the workflow. Uh, pretty quick. Final Cut is good about letting you get started before the transcoding is done, but in this instance, there's no transcoding to be done uh, because it can read those files directly and it's frame accurate. So that's been really helpful for the workflow here. Uh, Another thing that we're doing, which is kind of cool, is I do uh, offline editing with Jake, who helps me here in the studio. So what I do typically when he's not here and he's working remote, is I take that 20 gigabyte file, I import it into Final Cut Pro, And then I can compress those video files very quickly, actually, into Apple's uh, 422-LT codec. And that is a uh, low-res editing codec that Apple put together for this very purpose. So what it generates are proxy files. And then I can take that 20 plus gigabyte blob of video, compress it down to about five or six, and I can send the project without the big files to Jake. It only takes about 20 or 30 minutes to send those files up to him, even with my slow connection here. Uh, He can edit the file, then he sends me back a typical edit blob that's about maybe half a megabyte, maybe a little bit more than a megabyte, and I can drop that right into my existing folder where my files are, and everything just is ready to go for the full res output. It's a really cool workflow. I've got a video about how I do that. Uh, link down below in the master playlist as well, because it's a really efficient way to work with remote editors with Final Cut Pro, and I think it's very, very, very helpful. It makes our life uh, possible here on the channel. Uh, Hugh Dinwiddie has some great comments about the Blink camera system. Uh, He's been using it for a while. He's got some great experiences with it, and somebody in his neighborhood has a good experience with it as well. let you pause that and read what he's got to say on it. But he was the one that actually told me about the camera system in the first place, and I've been very pleased with it as well. Uh, he also points out that if somebody walks off with the camera, they are so fast at transmitting that it will likely have the video stored in the cloud uh, before that camera makes it into the crook's car or whatever. So it's a very good system, I think, especially given there's no ongoing cost. Uh, last comment was about that LG phone we looked at because he and many other people pointed out that you can get better spec phones from overseas for less money. And he's right about that. However, here in the United States, we don't have the same carrier bands that uh, those phones typically support. Uh, So in my experience, a lot of times those phones will work on sometimes just the 3G uh, T-Mobile towers or the AT&T towers and not support LTE at all. Uh, In some cases, there's no US carrier compatibility. And again, in other cases, it's very limited. I use Verizon here in the US just because where I live, it has the best coverage. None of those imported phones work with Verizon at all. But typically, the inexpensive phones you find on Amazon work across all carriers, and that's probably why they cost a little bit more. And if you want to learn more, I did a video on this very topic about two years ago, and you can see uh, the full explanation linked here on screen. And now it's time for some things in the news that caught my eye, and this thing I am really excited about. This is the Analog Pocket. It is an FPGA-based handheld gaming system from Analog, And they, of course, have a great track record of putting together these awesome, very accurate recreations of the original game consoles that work on your HD television. It's got a super sharp display on it. It's going to run Game Boy games, but also Game Boy Color, uh, Game Boy Advance. It's going to work with the Lynx cartridges with an adapter along with the Game Gear and I think a few other handheld systems, too really cool stuff and the one thing about analog is that oftentimes their products seem too good to be true and then they turn out to be exactly what they said they were going to be uh, which is awesome so i have no doubt that they're going to be able to put something together here that will largely uh, work as advertised these are all renderings it looks like but i wouldn't be surprised if uh, this is exactly what the final product ends up looking like uh, some folks were concerned with this button placement here for the uh, menu navigation hopefully they can move those around And again, we'll see what they come up with uh, next year when this product releases. And then along with the handheld, they're doing two other things that I think might be of interest to those of you who have been getting into the Mr. Project. Uh, The first is that they're going to have a docking station. And the dock station will work, of course, with your HD television. So it'll output 1080p to your TV. You'll have a very similar experience to what you get with some of the other uh, analog consoles for uh, the old TV-based devices they're simulating. Uh, But the other thing they're doing is adding a second FPGA to the device. So it's got a Cyclone 5 built in, but in addition to that, they're going to have a second Cyclone 10 that they're going to allow developers uh, ready access to. So I think we're going to see maybe some ports from the MISTER project over to this if that uh, Cyclone 10 has enough logic circuits on there. And one thing we've seen with these analog consoles is that shortly after they get released, a magical piece of jailbroken firmware appears in the wild that allows you to get more functionality out of the device. And I think with two FPGAs plus uh, the potential for jailbreaking, plus with the potential here with the dock to hook it up to a TV, uh, this is going to become a lot more than just a handheld device. And I am very eager to see what they do with this. I, of course, will be buying one as soon as I can, uh, so stay tuned. Next year is when this comes out. Typically, their products ship around the springtime, so I wouldn't be surprised if we have this in hand, literally and figuratively, uh, by the uh, April-May time frame next year. So stay tuned. As soon as I can pre-order one, I will do so and let you know what I think of it. And in a sad bit of news, it looks like Google is killing their Daydream VR system. Uh, This required, in most cases, a smartphone and worked with the headset that you can see on screen here. You just put the phone inside of that. And for a phone-based system, it was actually really good. I was impressed by how good it was. We tested it out on a Samsung phone about a year or two ago when Plex came out with their uh, VR interface. Uh, We also tested Lenovo's all-in-one solution, uh, which had inside-out tracking. And Lenovo beat the Oculus Quest to the market by about a year with that. It was really good. Uh, but unfortunately, it wasn't good enough for Google. They are killing the whole thing. If you got a Pixel 4 phone, uh, you will not be able to use your new phone with the uh, existing Google headsets. They are just totally stopping it from here on out. So keep those old Pixel phones around if you still want to play with your Daydream headset. Uh, The VR ride here is over, and this is, of course, going to be added to the tombstones on uh, Google's list of things that they have killed over time. Now, as I've been playing around with my Pixel 4, I was kind of disappointed that I'm not getting any HDMI output when I plug in my adapters to its USB-C port, and I thought, how cool would it be if Google could make an Android phone that could boot up Chrome OS in a container or something when you connected up the HDMI? Because really, those Snapdragon processors are more than capable of running Chrome OS. They can run Windows, so I think they could probably handle the uh, much lower impact Chrome operating system and give users a really useful experience because they are, of course, running Android containerized on Chromebooks right now. And I posted this on Twitter, and a lot of people said, hey, it's already happening, sort of. Uh, It looks like they are experimenting with a desktop mode in Android 10. Uh, which is not going to be Chrome OS, but you'll have desktop versions of the Android apps installed on your phone, very similar to how uh, Samsung DeX operates. And you can see more about that here on Therat's website. What I might do after I finish reviewing the Pixel 4 is figure out a way to get it to run this beta version and maybe try it out. Uh, Let me know what you think down in the comments below. And now it's time for another edition of Brands Behaving Badly, and we've got a good one this week about the children's YouTube star, Blippi. Now, if you've got young kids, you know exactly who this guy is. My uh, two daughters have watched him quite a bit. Uh, They tend to grow out of him by the time they get to be about three or four, Uh, but my three-year-old loves his content and watches it all the time, and I gotta give the guy credit because he goes to an existing facility, like a farm or a children's museum, dresses up in the costume and just kinda has the camera follow him around as he acts like a little kid playing with all this stuff and kids just eat this up and he's making a ton of money uh, doing this, so good for him, but here's the problem. He is trying to expand his empire, but he's trying to do so by not involving himself in that expansion, so he's got a live show that he's doing across the United States here and you would think Blippi, being a human being, would actually be the guy in the live show, but no, he's hiring an actor to play him, and most of the venues were not advertising the fact that Blippy himself, the actor that plays Blippi, is not going to be the one you see at the show, and some parents are pretty ripped about that because the tickets aren't cheap, and a lot of parents were opting for the meet and greet, hoping that they could have their kids meet the guy that plays Blippy in person, but they won't be meeting Blippy, they'll be meeting this actor with the costume on, and a lot of folks are pretty ticked about that, and you can read more at this BuzzFeed news article. Now, Blippi, for his part, has posted a Mia culpa up on his Facebook page. And what was odd about this is that they said, hey, we had an interview with Billboard Magazine and we told them there that it was going to be an actor. And it also says it on the FAQ on our website. But really what happens with these local shows is that you don't hear about it from Billboard Magazine or from Blippi himself. You get an email or a mailer from the local venue like we did saying, hey, Blippi is coming to perform at our venue. Would you like to buy tickets? And sure enough, when we found out about the show, this is what we saw, uh, which was this information about Blippi coming to the Bushnell in Hartford, Connecticut, but nothing about the fact that Blippi was being uh, being played by an actor. And they even had an opportunity here to have a meet and greet and photo opportunity with Blippy, along with a souvenir bag, and you can buy a VIP ticket to have that experience. And this stuff isn't cheap. Again, a couple hundred bucks if you got uh, more than one kid, uh, but this representation was that Blippi was going to be the Blippy we see on the YouTube channel. Uh, my local venue has since changed the language here. Um, and I would imagine that the language they posted was what they got from Blippi's tour company because that's typically how this stuff works. The touring company provides all the information for marketing and then the venue uh, puts it out to their list to get people to come to the show. Uh, so now as you can see here, they're saying, um, they're putting that disclaimer language here that Steven John is the creator of Blippy and is the writer and creative force behind the character. But now as he's evolved as a character, he's excited that a dynamic stage performer has been cast as Blippy to entertain and thrill audiences across the country. So apparently Blippy is so busy with his YouTube channel he can't do his own live show, which is crazy. Now it's funny, I got into a discussion with my brother about this who said, hey, he's a character, he's not a, you know, a person necessarily, but I think in this case... Yes, he's a character, but he's a character played by an actor that people recognize. It's not like he's putting on a on a uh, Paw Patrol helmet and running out with a, with a costume character here. He's an actual human being that's recognizable. Uh, you can get away with it if you're Santa Claus, uh, but you really can't get away with it if you're Blippi. So if you did book tickets to the show, check the fine print, because the actor you're going to see playing Blippi is not who he says he is. I know this is probably a stupid thing, but still, I hate it when people make the YouTube creator community look bad. And this is one of these entitled things where, you know, who is this guy that he can think he can hire an actor to play him? He's that big? No, I think it's really unfortunate that a lot of people were misled by somebody in the YouTube community like this. Hopefully the venues that sold tickets will offer refunds and hopefully it comes out of Blippi's pocket when it happens. And now it's time for a QA and a from you, the viewers. And I got this question in from Mickey Conway in regards to Blizzard and Hearthstone. Uh, this, of course, is an issue related to a player at a recent Hearthstone tournament named Blitzchung, who's from Hong Kong. Uh, he expressed his support for protests going on in Hong Kong. And as a result of that, uh, due to pressure from the Chinese government, that player was stripped of a title and banned from future tournaments for at least a year. And this, of course, had a significant monetary penalty for this guy, and it was unfortunate that it occurred And then, of course, over the last two weeks, we've had similar issues related to pressure being placed on Apple uh, with an app that Apple pulled down not only from the China app store that the Chinese government didn't like, but also worldwide. And, of course, the big controversy related to the NBA, uh, where a manager of a team expressed support for Hong Kong protesters, and the Chinese government reacted very strongly there and canceled games, took games off the air uh, and really let made clear to the NBA that they're not going to support uh, future incidents of players expressing themselves. And of course, LeBron James came out and endorsed the Chinese government's position on this related to NBA players. And I think all of this is bad. And I think no one who's uh, in a Western country where free speech is allowed would disagree with that. And it really is unfortunate that uh, market forces here are allowing the export of censorship, which I think is not a good precedent here. And it's going to be a very complex decade trying to figure out how to make all this stuff work because we have very intertwined economies despite the fact that our political systems are very different. During the Cold War, there was a separation politically and economically, but not anymore. And it's certainly going to be a challenge for policymakers rolling forward. And I think it's unfortunate what all of these companies have done uh, because they really are allowing this this censorship to go overseas and impact Uh, people who have the right to express themselves. And I'm very disappointed with all of them. And I really think it's time for all of us to start thinking about how we express ourselves when we are upset over a company not aligning with our own values. And in this instance, a lot of people took to Twitter and Facebook and maybe direct emails to the company and expressed their displeasure with what those companies are doing. But how many of us have actually voted with our wallets and that's something that i think we all need to start doing more of and i think when we see people who are very passionately angry about what a company is doing when there is a value misalignment uh, we need to encourage those folks to pull their money out as well because ultimately this is all about money china as a government can single-handedly Uh, stop the flow of money to one of these American companies. We collectively have to work together and do the same thing. And I'm as guilty of this as anyone because it is an inconvenience for me, especially, to stop doing business with Apple. Am I prepared to say that I'm done with Apple today? Not yet, Um, but I am going to be keeping a closer eye on how they are uh, going to deal with future issues. Because this app that they pulled down uh, was, is not going to be the only thing that they're going to face pressure from China about. Apple's got over a million employees of their own in the country on top of everyone they employed to make their phones. They are deeply intertwined with, with China. Uh, what's interesting is that Google, who is not allowed in China at all, did not pull down the app when the Chinese government wanted them to pull it down. So you can see what's happening here. There is an economic pressure on Apple to behave a certain way and it comes down to just about every relationship that we have, uh, and I wanted to show you a few things where I did finally exercise my uh, wallet because I felt I needed to, and I think I'm going to probably have to do it with Apple at some point. Uh, Newegg, of course, we had the issue with them a few uh, years ago, or maybe a year or two ago, uh, when they took my personal data and that of many other Newegg customers and just turned it over to the state of Connecticut's Department of Revenue Services for a tax thing and all of us got bills from the uh, Connecticut state uh, tax man about purchases that we made that we did not pay sales tax on. Yes, we should have paid use tax on those things. We did not. However, the company just turned it over without even a warrant or a subpoena or even a court challenge. They didn't stand up for their customers. I thought that value was wrong, and therefore I stopped doing business with them and stopped talking about them on the channel. The Verge is another example Uh, where The Verge uh, went after independent creators who were critical of that infamous PC build that uh, was on The Verge YouTube channel. The Verge took the video down because it just wasn't editorially up to their standard, they said, but then they went after YouTube creators who did not take their videos down of the thing that they were critical of. I think it's a total fair use, irrespective of how long those videos were, and we had a corporate media company here essentially bullying independent media over something that criticized that larger corporate entity. I thought that value was wrong and and completely misaligned with my own. I don't link to The Verge anymore as a result. Tiffany & Company, (laughs) off the tech thing here for a second. I used to buy, you know, not expensive Tiffany things, but nice Tiffany things for my wife every year around the holiday season. I stopped doing so when Tiffany supported the SOPA and PIPA legislation. If you don't remember that, that was an effort by a number of U.S. corporations, including Tiffany and uh, the movie industry, to essentially collude with the U.S. government to take over the domain name system. And if they found, you know, some company or some website was doing something they didn't like. Uh, they could have that DNS record pulled so nobody could get to the website. It was total censorship censorship across the board, not only of American citizens, but also people abroad, uh, because it would essentially take down the website uh, when a company wasn't happy with what was being expressed on that site. Uh, They offered all sorts of assurances that this wouldn't be an issue, but it really was a huge problem. And if you go back and look at it, Uh, the internet reacted very strongly because we were very close to this happening, and it was something that Tiffany was very much supportive of and never apologized or backed away from. And as a result of that, I decided that I would no longer do business with them either. And this is something I think we all need to start thinking about more, because I can guarantee you that Blizzard, the NBA, and Apple have probably not seen even a blip on their revenue from those of us in the West who are upset about these behaviors. I can tell you people are still going to NBA games. You can see them on TV every night. They're still buying hats and jerseys and everything else related to their favorite teams. Uh, I am still buying Apple products. Uh, People are still out there with their Blizzard subscriptions and buying Hearthstone and going to their events and paying that company money. And if there's no penalty for them violating the values that we hold, then they're gonna continue to operate this way. And I think it's something that we all need to think about rolling forward because the only way they're going to listen to us is through money. And we have to decide where we want to send our money to. Uh, I had an incident with a bank here locally that started really going after people who were falling on hard times in the middle of a very deep recession here in the United States. They jacked up their overdraft fees, even for people that had overdraft protection and were paying for it. So they were essentially profiting off of people's misfortune, and I thought that was wrong. So I went through the process of pulling my money out. It took a whole day and a half because I had to set up everything with my wife and go to the bank and do all this stuff, but in the end it was worth it because I went to a bank that didn't do that. And I think it's important for those of us who feel strongly about something to not stop with the tweet and continue onward, even if it means giving up something you really love, even if it means giving up something that's going to cause you to have a great inconvenience. I still think it's important for us to express ourselves that way because clearly these companies aren't listening to us when we just talk. Now my pick of the week this week is the Exponent podcast. We've talked about this podcast before, uh, but episode 175 this week was on this topic and it kind of inspired this discussion today. Uh, so check it out. It's definitely a, a very opinionated piece, but I think it's a good analysis of some of the complexities that we are dealing with here in the 21st century. So if you want more on this, definitely check out this discussion. It was a very good listen. And our Q&A for you this week is all about making a decision in the marketplace. It's involving my Windows laptops. I've got uh, two right now that are both underutilized, so I really only need one. So I'm going to be selling my Alienware 15 gaming laptop and my older uh, Dell XPS 15, which is the first generation computer. And I want to get a fairly powerful laptop with a decent GPU that's not all that big. I want something much smaller than the uh, Alienware here, maybe something closer in size to the Dell XPS 15. I'm looking for a 15 inch display. I'm looking for a Uh, Nvidia GPU on it, of course, I'm looking for something that is very powerful, that can do a lot of the video work that I do here, and also play a game or two when necessary. Uh, So let me know what's out there, if there is something in the 13-inch form factor, that might be kind of fun to explore, because it'll fit nicely on the desk here. I'm open, and I need your advice, so let me know down in the comments below what I should start looking at. So this week on the channel, I've got a bunch of stuff to take a look at, the first is the Pixel 4, which I hope to get up about mid-week, I've got a few more things that I want to do with it to really round out the review. A lot of you left some really good suggestions on the unboxing video as to what I should look at in that video, so that was helpful. So stay tuned. Uh, That review is coming up. It's a nice flagship phone, but you know what? They're all nice these days, so we'll look at some of the differences and perhaps uh, give some advice from there. I also just got in, like 10 minutes ago, uh, the new Pixelbook Go Uh, which is the brand new Chromebook from Google that hopefully will do better than the tablet they came up with last year. Uh, So that one's on the docket. I'll probably get that review up first because I think a lot of you would prefer me doing a Chromebook review first before a smartphone review. And I'm just eager to dig into that thing in a little bit. So we'll be having an unboxing on the Extras channel and a review a little later this week on that as well. And we're going to have a review of the Epson SuperTank ST4000 inkjet printer, Uh, This is a printer that comes with what they say is two years of ink. Uh, You pay more for it, but you're paying more because the printer purchase is not subsidized by future consumable purchases, so the long-term cost of ownership is less. We'll see what you get for the price in that review. Uh, We're also going to be giving this printer away uh, because Blue Dog Inc., who sponsored our last printer review, is also sponsoring this one. Uh, So we're going to have that uh, coming up a little later in the week as well. And then whatever else happens to come in, we'll also try to review that. Uh, There's a lot of stuff coming out now because we're right before the holiday season. So there's just a ton of things to look at here. I've got plenty of things to share with you uh, over the next couple of weeks. Now, if you want to support the channel, you can. You can go to lon.tv slash support and make a monthly or a one-time contribution to the channel We also support YouTube memberships, so you can sign up there and get a cool little icon that appears next to your name in chats and in the comment thread there, so good stuff to experiment with. Uh, We also have our ongoing relationship with Plex, where if you sign up for a free Plex account, no credit card required, we'll get a small commission for that sign-up. We get a little more of a commission when you sign up for a Plex Pass or gift it to somebody else uh, Plex is going to get very interesting in the coming weeks with their additional um, advertiser supported video on demand, which will be free for everybody. Uh, they're signing up a lot of major studios so you can integrate uh, that streaming content with the stuff you have stored on your server. That should be pretty exciting. We'll try to learn more about that as the weeks progress. I have other channels too. We've got the extras channel for unboxings and supplementary content. We have the podcast at lantv slash podcast, which is an audio version of this show. We also break this show up into smaller snippets on our Snippets channel, uh, which you can find at the link you see there. And then, of course, we have my live streams, which are archived at lon.tv slash If you want to get notified every time I do anything on the channel, click that bell icon, and we'll send you notifications every time I go live or put something up. Uh, we also have other ways to engage with the channel, including my email list, which is very infrequent. Uh, we only use it when there are special events going on. Uh, we have the Facebook page at lawn.tv/facebook where we also post some of the extras channel stuff. Uh, we have the Facebook group, which is getting close to 800 members now. A great resource for me and this show actually, because a lot of the topics come from you all from you all there. And then we have my store at lan.tv slash store where I sell the things that I've previously purchased for review on the channel. Uh, those laptops will be there along with a bunch of other stuff. We've got a Windows Mixed Reality headset up there right now. Uh, and as always, if you don't like a price, uh, email me. Uh, but don't do it through the store because I don't often see those. So just send me an email to lawn.tv if you want to try to negotiate a better price for something. I'm often eager to get rid of stuff. I do have an alert email that goes out every time we update the store. That's a separate list that you can sign up Uh, on screen here. Every time we lower a price or add an item, you will get a notification so you can jump in and purchase it. So that is going to do it for this week's weekly wrap-up. I want to thank you all for your ongoing support of the channel, both monetarily, but also through your comments and suggestions and your viewership. It means a lot. Having a lot of fun doing this. We got a lot of cool stuff coming up this week. And until next time, this is Lon Seibin. Thanks for watching. This channel is brought to you by the Lon.tv supporters including gold-level supporters, the Four Guys with Quarters podcast, Chris Allegretta, Tom Albrecht, Brian Parker, and Kalyan Kumar. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month.